Hello, thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show, the UK Geek Podcast, for aficionados of science fiction, fantasy and horror in all its various media formats. This is episode 420, recorded around about 2300 hours on Wednesday the 29th of December 2021. Today you are tuning into our continuing Doctor Who revisit. We will be talking about the 1979 story titled The Armageddon Factor. Let's start off with the state of the rewatch. Incredibly, it is still going. We are creeping up to the new year. I'm still going with this. I'm recording at the right time, on the right night. I am painfully aware of how much there is still to go. There's another 11 years of stories yet to revisit, which I sincerely hope does not take me 11 years. I might be dead by then. If I ever get through this, I'll deserve a medal or perhaps a straitjacket. As I said, I'm recording at the right time, on the right day. I'm feeling quite awake for a change. I'm wearing my new, extremely fluffy slippers. Though they are a bit shapeless, I'm not quite sure which slipper goes on what foot. But they seem to be okay and comfortable and nice and spongy and warm. Earlier today, I took Mum and Dad out to see Christmas lights in the town. There were none. I don't know if that's because of COVID and the council have decided not to put anything up, but the town was remarkably dull. At least we did have a little family drive and saw the lights around people's houses in the neighbourhood. And it's nice now and again to go out for a night drive. Though, as I'm saying that, it feels like I'm messing with my own karma, because now I can hear traffic in the background, which isn't so good for podcasting. Let us, as usual, start off with some cast, crew and production notes. The Armageddon Factor, from 1979, starred Tom Baker as the Fourth Doctor. He is joined by his companions, Romana, played by Mary Tam, and K-9, voiced by John Leeson. The director is Michael Hayes, who also directed three Doctor Whos, including the much-lauded City of Death, which we will get to fairly soon. The writers were Bob Baker and Dave Martin, if you remember back. This is a writing team, a partnership who have written... Several Doctor Whos. Bob Baker was also the co-writer of the Wallace and Gromit films. The producer this time is Graham Williams and David Maloney, who is uncredited. Maloney also directed several Doctor Whos and Blake Sevens, which he also produced for the first three seasons. 
As for locations, this was a studio-only story filmed at Shepherd's Bush. It was story 103 and serial 6, the final serial of season 16, consisting of six 25-minute episodes broadcast from the 20th of January to the 24th of February 1979, following The Power of Kroll, which we talked about in pod 418. As we normally do, I don't know why I keep on saying as usual or as we normally do. It's like saying without further ado. It is completely pointless. I won't do that. On the day of the first broadcast of this story in the UK, the only UK relevant fact I could find is that the singer Will Young was born in Wokingham. That is it. Let me recapitulate what happens, and then I'll tell you what I thought. But before we do any of that, let us roll a short clip. Rolling clip in three... Two. One. Atreus! I wonder what the inhabitants are like there. We haven't stopped them dead. We got them in a three-second time loop. Now! Hello, Mac. Astra. All right, then. I hope you enjoyed the clip. Let me tell you what happens in The Armageddon Factor from 1979. We open with a Hamley-acted video propaganda piece broadcasted to a heavily bombarded casualty ward. The next scene is in the TARDIS, where Romana, the Doctor, and K-9, in their continuing quest for the sixth and final segment of the crystalline Key to Time, arrive on the war-torn world of Atrios which is in its final leg of an atomic war with its neighbour, Zeos. The monarch, Princess Astra, and her allies want peace, but Astra is only a puppet ruler under the thumb of the unstable leader of the war effort, the Marshal. The Marshal, tired of Astra's meddling, attempts to dispose of her permanently, have her disappeared, by locking her in a heavily irradiated abandoned part of the complex. She is later kidnapped by mysterious black-clad henchmen. After initially being framed for the murder of a guard, the Doctor and his companions follow Astra, who they think is connected to the sixth piece of the key. They follow her to the planet Zeos via a secret matter transportation system. The increasingly crazed Marshal personally leads a bombing raid on Zeos, which triggers the Zeos military computer to begin a countdown to self-destruction. The Doctor temporarily jury-rigs and activates the five parts of the Key of Time that he actually has, 
by adding an artificial piece to complete the structure. This he uses to create a time loop to suspend the oncoming disaster. So that we're now in the situation where the raid on Zeos is in a loop just before the Marshal releases his atomic apocalypse and the computer is stalled just before it self-destructs. It turns out that Princess Astra is the sixth segment of the key to time through some kind of genetic manipulation, but to complete the Doctor's mission for the White Guardian, she must lose her life. The evil Black Guardian's diabolical servant, the Shadow, forces Astra to change into the final piece of the key, but when that happens, the last piece of the key is almost immediately stolen back and taken into the TARDIS by the Doctor. On board the TARDIS, the White Guardian on a view screen demands the key. The Doctor, however, is suspicious of his behaviour. The suspicion is proven correct when the face on the display changes to that of the Black Guardian. The Doctor disperses the segments and they are lost, though the sixth changes back into Astra. The Doctor installs a randomising device to the TARDIS's navigation controls so that their onward journey cannot be predicted by the Black Guardian. He smiles into the camera and that is it. Now let me tell you what I thought. The scene at the beginning with the camera pulling out from the opening propaganda video and expanding to encompass the casualty ward, i.e. the film within the film within the film, seemed very like a Russian Matryoshka doll. Given vintage Doctor Who's admirable social conscience, though also occasionally appalling lack of thought in portraying people of colour, I was worried about how the Black Guardian and his nasty servant, the Shadow, would look. Does anyone remember back to the character Mavic Chen from Pod 50? Hmm. I needn't have worried. The Black Guardian was simply actor Valentine Dial as a negative film version of the White Guardian, while the Shadow was matte greyish and rubbery rather than black. No blackface, that was a relief. Regarding the Black Guardian's servant, the Shadow, he resembles and has a similar desire for mass destruction as Swarm from the later season 13 of New Who, Doctor Who Flux, Flux, by the way, and I've probably already mentioned this, is also the only other season-spanning story. Both those things can't be a coincidence. Chris Chibnall, did you get the idea for your Flux story from this season of Doctor Who? 
Somehow, I don't think he's going to be getting in touch. The War Mad Marshal is played by an actor called John Woodvine. He is a very recognisable actor. He has been on lots of things on British television. He went on to play a similar megalomaniacal character, wearing an admittedly more utilitarian, though similarly fascistic, uniform and crest in ITV's Knights of God. The Marshal's militarist video broadcasts to the populace and the accompanying fanfare of trumpets also echo the later series Knights of God. Okay, now I'm going to get a little silly, but I did notice that the Atrian troops' jack boots actually looked like wellies. That is, Wellington boots. (laughs) I suppose the budget couldn't stretch to anything more than that. During the closing part of the adventure, we are introduced to a new character. When the Doctor allies himself with someone called Drax. Latterly from Brixton, in London, this annoying London geezer-type spiv in a shell suit is also a Time Lord and an old classmate from the Academy. Drax speaks with a very pronounced London accent. He got the accent from his time in prison because he was caught wheeler-dealering and was put away. We also learn from an interchange between the two, Drax and the Doctor, that the Doctor is in fact allowed that title, the Doctor, as he was awarded a doctorate for his studies. Princess Astra and future Romana. Yes, Princess Astra was played by Lala Ward, and she is in the same story as the current Romana, played by Mary Tam. Here comes the controversial bit. I like the Mary Tam version of Romana more. (laughs) Mad. M-A-D stands for Mutually Assured Destruction. That is what we have here. And it is such a relevant theme to the Cold War period during which this story was filmed, as was the idea of old warmongering hawks, like the martial character, versus young doves, like the peacenik Princess Astra and her physician boyfriend, It all seemed very period-relevant, and I am sure that none of that was lost on the audience. I remember the Cold War, and mad, and it wasn't a good time. While militaries promoted the crazy idea of nuclear detente, people my age remember the nightmarish protect and survive campaign and leaflets. It was a crazy and stressful time to be alive. 
Oh, I'm saying that in the middle of a global pandemic that has lasted two years and has no sign of abating. Next, there is some hilarious dialogue in this story between the Doctor and his companions when the Doctor criticises Romana for being a bit of a pessimist. Here's the dialogue. The Doctor says, Where's your optimism? Romana replies, It opted out. <laughs> K9 chips in with... Optimism. A belief that everything will work out well. Irrational, bordering on insane. <laughs> I love that. It reminds me of how acerbic Orak could be in Blake 7. And there's another Blake 7 parallel because I really enjoyed that little piece of repartee. It reminds me of Blake Seven's villa's masterful description of sinister architecture as reminiscent of early Maniac. Brilliant. Brilliant writing. Very funny. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Where are we? Oh, uh, yeah, we are at the end. I've just got a couple of pieces of trivia. The first, less important one, is that Douglas Adams was one of the script editors for this story. The other one is admittedly extremely nerdy. Romana says in the script that the identification dialogue between K-9 and the Xeon's Mentalis military computer is like the dance of the bees. I'm sorry, Romana. I'm telling you right now, I'm not one of those nerds who loves correcting people, but this just leapt out at me as being incorrect. That dance that bees do, called the waggle dance, is used to communicate the location of food sources between the worker bees of a colony. And now I sound like a really, really obnoxious nerd. Oh, oh, wait a minute, I am a nerd, but I hope I'm not too obnoxious. And that is just about it. That is it, in fact. What am I saying? I'm procrastinating because I'm not sure I want to end right now. I've just warmed up, but I have come to the end. The next episode that you hear from me will probably be on New Year's Day. Yes, that's a departure from the usual recording day, but it is New Year's Day. It's a special day. I thought it might be nice to do a podcast on that day, as we didn't quite do one for Christmas Day. We were 20 minutes short of actually hitting Christmas Day. And that is it. The show is made by me. I'm Roy Matur writer. My family name, Matur, is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at RoyMatur.com. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen. Recommend it to a friend or mortal enemy. Or click on the contact or support link on the website. As usual, I have been recently asking for people to comment 
and to send me some feedback and reviews. I'm not really getting anything yet. I have to re-emphasize how important that is to the continuation of this podcast. Also, what would help is if you felt like contributing towards this pod. This is a no-string budget podcast. I have a minus budget. I make a loss making this podcast. I do it because I love podcasting, but it would really help if you could support me. If you can afford to do so, of course. With that, thanks for tuning in. You were listening to Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show, the UK Geek Podcast. This was episode 420, recorded on Wednesday the 29th of December 2021. And the time at the end of the show is 23.37.14. Have a really great New Year's Eve. Stay safe. Speak to you soon. And bye-bye for now. Bye.